All right, I'm eager to get back into John's gospel. Yeah, we're still in John's gospel. Been about a year, hasn't it? You know, but there's a lot of good stuff in there. And um, we're in a section of scripture called the farewell discourse. It's um, Jesus at the Last Supper in the upper room, and for chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, it's his last words to the disciples, right? And honestly, I try to cover more scripture when I study it, and, but there's so much good stuff. So we're going we're gonna to take verses uh, 15 through 21, chapter 14, where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, Okay, and boy, there are a lot of different opinions in the church world about the Holy Spirit, um, how to be full of the Holy Spirit, and how, what about this gift, and what about that gift. So we're going we're gonna to take a look at what he has to say about the Holy Spirit. Let me pray one more time. Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about you. We need you to open our eyes and our hearts to understand uh, this section of Scripture. So please... Um, give us insight and just remind us of, of what a privilege it is that you live inside of us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Jesus is sitting around the table. Judas has left. The 11 are there. And he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, right? Just, it's a simple truth. If you love, if you're a Christian, you'll love Jesus. And if you love Jesus, the fruit of that is that you obey Jesus, right? Um, now, he has already, in chapter 13, told them he's going to be leaving. And they're distraught. They are depressed. He has, he's been there all in all. He's taught them. He's protected them. Uh, he's befriended them. He has loved them. And he says, I'm going to leave. And where I'm going, you cannot follow. So they are distraught. And he says, verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Okay? ESV. English Standard Version says helper. Now, this is one of these words that's really um, tough to translate, as you can see, because different really good translations use different words. ESV and I think the New American Standard use helper. The, the old King James uses comforter. Other versions say advocate. Others say counselor. So it, that, that just tells you that it's a tough word to translate. I actually think helper is probably the safest word to use because if you zero in on any one of these particular words, it leaves out the others. But helper encompasses all of these things. Right? So I'm going to send to you another helper to be with you forever. Now, um, let, let me pause right there. Um, the word another, there's two, two words that could have been used. There's another of a different kind, but the word that Jesus uses here is another of the same kind, 
What does that matter? This helper that I'm going to send is going to help you in the same way I've helped you. How did he help them? Well, he taught them. He loved them. He protected them, and he empowered them. Think of Peter walking on the water. Think of, of Jesus sending out the 12 to heal and to cast out demons and to preach and to raise the dead. So I'm going to label the Holy Spirit in verse 16 as the Spirit of power. So my, out, my outline for this passage is the Holy Spirit that he's going to send is the spirit of power. Secondly, he's going to talk about the spirit being the spirit of truth. And then thirdly, the spirit of love. So there's, that's, those are kind of hooks to hang the passage on. He's going to send another helper who's the spirit of power, the spirit of truth, the spirit of love. Okay? So, one, one more thing under... And by the way, this is all intro. Okay? Um, one more thing under... Um, another. Some people don't think the Holy Spirit is a person. Right? There are some people who say, oh, it's a force. N no. What, what good would it be? What comfort would it be to say, oh, I, the person of Jesus, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send you some immaterial force? No. He is a helper the way I am a helper. He is a person. Okay, so first, um, we, we see in verse 16 that he's the spirit of power, and then verse 17, even the spirit of truth. Well, right there, he is the spirit of truth. Okay, we'll talk about that. Whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Okay, now pause right there. He is with you, and he will be in you. Now, big question that this raises. What role did the Holy Spirit play in the Old Testament? In Old Testament saints, or we could say this. Even in these disciples, what role did the Holy Spirit play before the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit was sent in a different way. Now, th there's different opinions on this. Some would say, well, he didn't indwell Old Testament saints. He just kind of, I don't know, sat on their shoulder. Okay? But that's, that's kind of hard to imagine because we have writers, Old Testament writers, who were Holy Spirit-inspired when they wrote. And we had prophets who spoke... Um, but there were some who would say, no, no, the, the, the difference is he was hovering back then and now he's moving inside. Okay. Others say, no, what's being emphasized here is the Holy Spirit in the Old, Old Testament kind of came and went. Like we're going to look at Samson. The Holy Spirit comes on him in power, then he leaves. Okay. Um, and others would, would just simply say, well, the Holy Spirit had to indwell for you to be a believer. You wouldn't believe unless you were regenerated. Your heart was changed by the Holy Spirit. So the difference here, even though there are, are prepositions dealing with, uh, with you and in you, 
uh, that it, it means he's going to be in you in a more powerful way. Now, rather than spending a whole lot of time on was he in, above, through, what, let's just say this. Whatever the role the Holy Spirit played in the Old Testament believer, Jesus is saying that on the day of Pentecost, from that point on, the Holy Spirit will be in believers in a more powerful way. You live in privileged times. Even John the Baptist, the greatest man, Jesus said he was the greatest man, he did not have the Holy Spirit the way we have the Holy Spirit. Okay? So um, I don't have all the details of what that means, but we live in privileged times. Okay? So this Holy Spirit, he's a spirit of truth. Okay? He's, a, he's a spirit of power. He's a spirit of truth. Let's keep going. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now here I think he's talking about um, his resurrection from the dead. I'm going to come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live also you will live. So here I think he's saying, you're going to see me again. I'm going to raise from the dead. Okay. And because I resurrect from the dead, you will be resurrected from the dead. But now back to the Holy Spirit, verse 20. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And again, here we have the mystery of the Trinity, the Father's in the Son, and the Son's in the Spirit, and the Spirit's in, And then they are in us. Okay? What does that matter? Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Again, if you're a believer, you love Jesus you're going to keep his commandments. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. What, what it matters is God himself is living inside of you, producing love for him and reminding us of his love for us. He's the spirit of love. Right? So let's break these things down a, a, a little bit more. We're going, to, we're going to look at the spirit of power, the spirit of truth, the spirit of love, okay? Spirit of power. Again, he's another helper. Just like Jesus, he's another helper living inside of us. I, I send out a little newsletter to the Valley Brook people, and I, I um, tried to send this picture out last week, and I guess it didn't go to half of them, and then the other half it turned into Google script. And, but <laughs> the point was, as you look at this, this picture, this group of people, can you see a difference between them? And you go, well, some are men, some are women, some are old, some are... No. The, the point that I want to make is that in any given crowd of people, God is living inside the Christians. He's not living inside the non-Christians. And that should make a world of difference. People who have God living in them should be different than people who don't have God living in them. If you're a Christian, God lives inside of you. Okay? Now, um, Samson. 
What are we to get out of the story of Samson? I think, uh, and there's a lot of lessons in that story, but I think the main, there's a ladybug on my head. Okay. Um, I think the reason, or one of the main reasons the story of Samson is in the Bible is Samson gives us a physical picture of the power of the Holy Spirit which then we're to translate into a spiritual picture just to realize how much power is inside of us. So let me remind you of, of Mr. Sampson, okay? Sampson, um, he was kind of a crude guy, and he's an Israelite, and he sees a Philistine girl, and he goes, I like her. <laughs> I want to marry that one. So... He's on his way down to ask her hand in marriage, and a lion attacks Samson. And it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. Okay, so here's the Holy Spirit rushing on him. And although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. Which I think is kind of funny because it's assuming, like, hey, you know how you tear a goat apart with your bare hands? That's how he dealt with this lion, okay? But that tells you, wow, the Spirit of God gives him superhuman strength. He's a superhero, okay? So then he, he marries this girl, and he, he tells a riddle at his wedding feast to 30 of the Philistines. And um, he says, I, I bet you can't figure it out, and... The bet was, if you can figure it out, I owe you 30 suits of clothes. We'll go to Kohl's, and I'll get you some clothes. And if you can't figure it out, you owe me 30 suits of clothes. Now, his wife knows the secret to the riddle. And uh, they threaten her. You better get that secret to us from your husband, Samson. So she, she tells them, and they... Uh, they get the secret, and he says, he says this, um, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. Now, I don't think it's ever good to call your wife a heifer. <laughs> but he's saying, I know you got the secret to the riddle by threatening my wife, you are plowing with my heifer, and I guess I owe you 30 suits of clothes. So then it says, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon and struck down 30 men. All right? Spirit of the Lord gives him this supernatural power. Well, then there's another case where the Philistines are trying to capture him. And it says, and he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey and put out his hand and took it. And with, with it, he struck 1,000 men. Jawbone of a donkey. Right? And then the story ends with them putting out his eyes. And they drag him to a coliseum to mock him. And at the Colosseum, he asks God, give me strength one more time. And he pushes down the pillars, and 3,000 Philistines are killed. 
Okay. Now, what are we to get out of that? Well, I think it's a physical display of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we move into the New Testament, I don't see any miracles that are feats of strength, which reminds me of what George Costanza and Festivus for the rest of us, which is a substitute for Christmas, where you put up a metal pole, you air grievances, and you uh, display uh, feats of strength. I, but there's no feats of strength in the New Testament. So what is the mark of the power of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament? Well, the, the church, the early church, prays. The place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The way the Holy Spirit, the main way the Holy Spirit manifests himself in the believer in the New Testament is by being bold for the Lord. In fact, the apostles had just been arrested and told, don't speak in, in the name of Jesus anymore. And they were released, and they prayed this, and they went out and they spoke in the name of, of Jesus again, and they were arrested and threatened, don't you preach in the name of Jesus again. And in chapter 5, it says, Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. This is the, these are the same guys who on the night Jesus was arrested, Peter denies that he knows Jesus, and the rest all flee. Now these guys are standing before the very people who crucified Jesus, and they say, we gotta, uh, we're not going to obey you, we're going to obey God. They're filled with a boldness for the Lord. Now, here's an evaluation question to ask yourself, to see how filled with the Holy Spirit we are. Is your life, when it, when it comes to living out your faith and telling other people about the Lord, is your life characterized more by boldness or fear? Okay. Is there a boldness? Now, let's be careful here. Because some people who think, think that they're bold are really obnoxious. Which is why we're going to talk about the spirit being a spirit of love. But be careful there because some people who think uh, they're full of love are just cowardice. So we got to ask, are we more characterized by fear or a Holy Spirit-loving boldness. And you go, uh, how, how would I know? Well, that's, that's why God has placed us in a body and why he's given you a wife or a husband. Right? You should occasionally ask, hey, honey, when I talked to the neighbor the other day or when I was on the phone with the kids, or when I, was I obnoxious? 
or, or was I bold? Was I loving or just a wimp? All right. We have one another to help gauge where we're at. But all that to say that same Holy Spirit who was in Samson is in us. Doesn't mean we'll do feats of strength. But hopefully it means there will be available to us a boldness in living our life out in front of the world and speaking to them. Let me move on to the second thing. It's the spirit of truth. Jesus simply calls him the spirit of truth. Okay. Now, the Holy Spirit leads us into truth. But I think it's important that we also put up another verse that's in this same section of Scripture, the the farewell discourse. In John 17, 17, Jesus is praying to the Father and he says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And the reason I think it's important to put these two together is the same Holy Spirit who indwells us and leads us into truth is the same Holy Spirit who inspired the Bible. Okay? Um, In fact, in John 14, Jesus gives a promise about the writing of Scripture. Okay? Uh, He says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And I think there's application here that he helps us remember. Have you ever been witnessing to somebody and you're like, what's that verse? Boom, and the verse comes. Okay, I think there's an application here. But this was first spoken to the apostles who were going to write new revelation. Okay, Um, He will teach you all things. And he'll bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Have you ever wondered, you know, how did they get everything Jesus said? Here's five chapters in the farewell discourse. Was, Was John taking notes? Did he have a digital recorder? How do we know he got it all right? I'll bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit gave him perfect recall. Okay, Now, um, that same Holy Spirit who wrote the Scripture, okay, he is the same Holy Spirit who helps us interpret the Scripture. Without the Holy Spirit, unbelievers can understand the words, but they don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. I always use it. Remember the Charlie Brown teacher? Wah, 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 wah. You know, in this room right now, there are believers and unbelievers. You know what the unbelievers hear? Wah, 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 wah. Now, you, they hear, they hear the words, maybe the concept, but it all falling in place and feeding their soul doesn't because it's it's 
the Spirit needs to help us understand and apply it to our lives. So here in 1 Corinthians, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him. They don't make sense. Wah, 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 wah. And he is not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. I, I, sometimes when I when I'll preach, occasionally somebody will come up and I, I, I hope they want to talk about spiritual things and deep things and Jesus and their salvation. And a lot of times, what people will say, oh, I liked that joke. Now I, I I have a sense of humor and I I, I hope I don't bore you and I hope. But is all you got out of it the joke or the reference to the bears? Or I, I, you got to have the Holy Spirit to understand the things of the Spirit. Otherwise, this is just a long, a long time for you to sit and listen to a guy babble on. Okay, um, so Jesus Himself says, "The Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him." nor knows him. Okay? The unbeliever, you go, well, how do they ever break through? You know what? The way the unbeliever finally gets it is by teaching the gospel, preaching the gospel again. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. The gospel saves their soul, and that's when the Holy Spirit comes in and they start to understand. You go, but isn't there some easy, slick way to make sure they're going to believe? I wish there was. A preacher is the most vulnerable person in the world because I can't make you buy it. I can just proclaim it and pray that the Holy Spirit opens our eyes. Okay? Now, um, let me, let me talk about the Christian and the Holy Spirit and the Bible, okay? Now, there are some Christians on the, on the one extreme, and we'll, we'll go one extreme and then the other extreme. There are some Christians who, who get the, 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 the statement that your word is truth, and the Bible for them is a rule book. But they've got no living relationship with the living God living inside of them. It's just looking for the, looking for the answers. They got this word. They got their concordance and they've got all the rules. And, but there's no living relationship. Okay? Now, on the other hand, you have those Christians who they're always talking about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit led me to do this and the Holy Spirit led me to do that, but they're so far away from the scriptures that you wonder, is it the Holy Spirit who's talking to them? I was talking to a pastor the other day and um, he said he was a pastor and um, he wanted to talk about the clouds. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he ascended in the clouds. Have you ever thought about the clouds? I go, well, not really, but okay, go, I'll go with it. Let's talk about the clouds. He goes, you know, when he comes back, he's going to be coming on the clouds. Okay. I go, what do you think that means? 
UFOs. Yeah, he went up into a UFO because a UFO is going to send out smoke and he's going to come back in a UFO. Holy Spirit revealed that to him. <laughs> wow. And I wanted to say, hey, buddy, that's what, that's what you want to spend your time talking to people about? It, what about the cross? Okay. Um, and then there's uh, college students who, uh, hey, Susie, the Lord has, has made it clear to me. The Holy Spirit revealed to me we should date. Then when they get tired... I think the Lord has led me very clearly. God spoke to me that we should break up. Well, don't blame it on, don't blame your hormones on the Holy Spirit, okay? All right. So, um, all, all this to say, the Holy Spirit of God who lives inside of us is the spirit of truth. He wrote the scriptures, yes, using the pen of men, not dictation, I don't know how it all works, but it's the Word of God. And that Holy Spirit uh, helps us understand it, helps us memorize it, and leads us. And I believe we have a living, dynamic relationship with God. I don't think you have to, before you make a move, you're sitting on the airplane and, and you go, I think I should witness to that person, but I'm not sure. I need a verse that says on an airplane, witness to the... It's the Holy Spirit prompting you to open your mouth and... That is according to Scripture, okay? So, we have the spirit of truth living inside of us, okay? Now, one last thing. Spirit of love. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And that's just the truth, okay? If you know him, you love him, you obey him. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I will show the person who loves me more and more of myself. Okay? If you're stuck... In kind of a spiritual rut. You know, like, I just, I've lost that love and feeling. And I'm not really obeying the way I should. And sometimes John is kind of in a circular, especially in 1 John, um, you love and that leads to obedience and obedience leads to more love. And da, 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 da. Um, but let's say you've, this cycle is broken. How do we jumpstart it again? Should we try to work up love and work up obedience? John wrote this in his letter. We love because he first loved us. We don't really jumpstart it. We just come to him and say, Lord, I think I'm like the Ephesian church. I've lost my first love. Would you rekindle that love? And here's what we do. We dwell on what he did for us. So, so here, we're going to 
Look at Romans. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Okay? So, so here we have this love in our hearts. And I think, I think what, what Paul is saying is the normal experience for a Christian should be one where we are, we are experiencing the love of God. And how do we experience that? For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows us his love for us. But God shows us his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Remembering the cross is what rekindles verse 5. You don't sit in a corner and try and work it up. You do what he called us to do. And you know what he called us to do? Gather, take a piece of bread, and remember his broken body on the cross. And take a cup of wine, of juice, and remember his blood shed for us. And as you see God dying on a cross, that rekindles our love for him and should restart the cycle. Communion isn't just, oh, let's tack it on before kickoff. It's a time to remember what God has done for us on the cross. And you may want to pray uh, this communion. Lord, rekindle my love for you. Let me pray. Lord, um, thank you that you have not left us as orphans. You have sent another helper. He's the spirit of power. He is the spirit of truth. He is the spirit of love. Lord, I pray that as we enter into this new year, you would rekindle that love in our hearts Lord, may we be filled with your spirit. May people uh, see the power as expressed through a, a loving boldness. May we be led by your word and your spirit. And may we be crazy in love with you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.